Jung woke up in his bed to a forgotten flowery scent. He turned his head and his eyes lightened in surprise at the view of a fair, feminine face with thin lips and elegant eyelashes sleeping beside him. She was beautiful. He carefully got off the bed and walked into the bathroom. As he brushed his teeth, he noticed the swelling beneath his eyes, pouches of fatigue, and the night closely reappeared in his memory as it had unfolded. Nemeka He had met her at the bar a million times but never had the courage to take her home until yesterday. Here is a little initiative, she had said, sliding the glass towards him. After brushing, he splashed cold water onto his face and went back into the bedroom to find her sitting. Her slender calves shone in the sunlight. She smiled at him and jerked her head to straighten the mess of her hair. Jung smiled back at her, water still dripping down his chin. He started looking for his jacket as Nimika decided to scout the kitchen. Got nothing in the cabinets? she asked. No, I usually eat out. Nimika scam on his butt before he she got back in the bed with a thump. The jacket was lying on the floor beside the bed. A business card fell out of it when he picked it up. It was for a private security service. He put it back when he couldn't place it in her memory. take me out she said as watched him watch her as he walked backwards into the bathroom lunch he asked and dinner she disappeared behind the curtain a voice called out for ruble between violent thuds the timber of the wood elongated and muffled its coarse tone ruble's head pained when he stretched open his eyes he listened again as he tapped his head It was Jojo again. Reality settled around him like blood dripping down the walls. His heart beat dampened but he realized that then it was a creaking with terror. He crossed onto his cabin avoiding the stream of oil. The lamp in the corner was still on. It painted the cabin like a slaughterhouse. After waiting long enough, he tidied himself a bit and finally opened the door to save it from being banged off its hinges. Pay up. It's Saturday already. I needed to get my weekend stash. Jojo spoke, his lips dry and flaky and his jaw bruised. He made no attempts to hide his impatience this time. Calm down, Rubel said. No, I have to leave quick. Rubel sighed loudly. What? You don't have the money? Jojo grabbed his collar now. What's that smell? He asked as he slammed him against the closed door. Olive oil? What smell? These are all kinds of smell in here. You want to go downstairs and talk? Shut up, Jojo said. His swollen chin looked toad-like. Okay, wait here. I'll get it, Rubel said. He turned around, opened the door, and wandered aimlessly. You don't have it, do you? Jojo said, his shadow engulfing Rubel now, leaving no place to escape. How much did you snort? Give it back, Jojo yelled. Where is it? The conjuring of tears was in vain. The game was over and the time was up. Let's go, Jojo grabbed him. What? Where? He put a hand inside his pocket. Just get dressed and don't. He spoke after producing a knife. Rubel was still dressed for a funeral. Two funerals in one, worth the price. 
but he decided to keep them on. The knife was harmless to him. He just wanted Jojo to stay out of the room. What are you doing? Leave that. We are walking. Jojo said when he saw Ruble turn to his bike. What's wrong with you? Jojo asked. After they had walked for a while and the knife was back in its place. He's going to kill you probably or break a kneecap at least. And here you are walking all dandy. Man, it's like everybody's got cancer of something overnight. Acting all, he stretched his tongue to one side of the mouth and spun his finger in circles. They were sliding and slipping, greeting shoulders with shoulders as they passed through wet and narrow lanes of miners camp. The land was hot and the air was suffocating. They finally stopped outside an old building that was covered in moss. Jojo made his way through the broken fence and ushered Ruble into the room. The dust inside irritated Ruble's nose, but his eyes glittered at the sight of all the easy packed-in shelves that was meant for books. There were rows of them. However, most of them were stuffed with just books. They were standing in the middle of the backyard, staring at a man who had appeared out of nowhere through the dry foliage. Ruble's attention was fixed on an old man and his stretched leg. He was unsure whether that man was looking at him or just staring in his direction. This is the guy who refuses to pay, Jojo said. What am I supposed to do, huh? Sell him? Gardan asked him back. Something about the boy was airy. Ruble was still adjusting to the old man's gaze. You live at that weird house, don't you? He finally asked. Yes. You have one night, Gardan said. I'll pay you soon, he rushed to add. Sir? Sure you will, Gardan replied. He swept his hand in the air, signaling Jojo to get out. Jojo swiftly grabbed Ruble's hand and dragged him out of the shop. Go home and keep my money ready by tomorrow. Although he hadn't planned to, Ruble walked home the same way he had arrived. His shoulders ached and his head still pained like it had a stab wound. He was hungry, but he had no money to eat anything except the easy E. A forgettable number of steps later, he was standing in his house, his stomach churning. Seeing the deserted house, the desolation collided with him once again. He had killed Obel, his brother, his only family. He had wanted him dead badly, but not this way. Just a normal head under the school bus accident or a never come back home after a trip would have worked. And what about his freedom? Was he free? He climbed up the ladder. The door was open this time too. He took the packet out of his pocket and somehow got it back to his nose. The courage to step in simmered within him. He shook his head wildly and walked straight into the kitchen and opened the fridge. Mind if I get the spread? He grabbed a jar from the shelf out of the inner side of the door and moved to the kitchen counter. Is it too cold in there? (laughs) He chuckled as he spread the jam. Dad would have liked it. I was thinking of going to the police, but it's too late now. Need a bite? He hovered the bread slice in air towards the fridge. No? I hope you're not missing any major events, Governor. Hmm. He walked up to the fridge. Obel's body lied there like an iceberg. His skin had turned dark and dry. Enjoy the weekend, brother. He slammed the door shut. Ruble was sprawled over the dirt-smitten couch when he heard a knock on the main door. Its outline was beyond the reach of his eyesight in the dark. The indoor dullness of the dusk was prevalent 
and so was the morbidity. It was evening already. He realized as he rubbed his eyes. The walls were weeping with leakage stains. The air outside was lousy blue when he tried peering through the window glass. All he had done that afternoon was snort and lay and snort. Someone knocked the door gently again. Should I answer it or not? He thought as he pulled a curtain over the kitchen door and flicked a switch to turn on a bulb over the porch. Something was telling him to not open the door. There was still sleep in his eyes and powder around his nose, but he inched closer. He rubbed the powder off and unlocked the door. An old man in a baggy trouser and long rusty coat was waiting patiently outside. Hello, Mr. Obel Ad. Obel's not home. I'm his brother, Rubel. The stranger was holding a cane that he pressed his weight on as he tried to look inside. Rubel was right in his face now, his foul breath twitching the stranger's nose. The visitors bustled in through the door like a trembling house of cards and took a seat on the couch. There was a stranger and a dead body in the house. He looked around the boring empty room and then at the static on the television screen. Was it quiet or was it screaming? The cane was strongly fixed between his knees and hands. Rubel flipped some more switches before a lamp went on. He could now see the pale face staring around. His hair was white, long and tied behind his head like a silk spool. He finally stopped to looking at a family picture of a tall man standing by a frail woman and two identical kids squeezed in between them. He was your twin brother, he asked. Is he corrected himself sensing that Rubel had stiffened with panic. Rubel mopped up his ghastly expression before he spoke. Yes, I'll give him a message. He doesn't come back most nights, you know. He stood staring at the ceiling, waiting for a response, careful not to meet the stranger's eye. Who are you? He finally asked. His eyes wandered towards the curtain. Can I get a glass of water? The stranger asked, scratching the mole on his face. He uttered a word that almost shuddered Rubel. Cold. Rubel did not nod. He slowly stared towards his kitchen and pulled the curtain behind him while walking his meek eyes fixed on the ghostly figure. Sweat beads had formed around his neck and the effect of easy had vaporized. He looked around in the kitchen in confusion to finally find a dirty glass in the sink. He rinsed it shabbily, thinking about the striking similarity of the mole on his face. He checked the curtain once the glass was clean. His hands trembled as he set the glass on the kitchen top and shifted towards the fridge. It was buzzing in the silence, biting through his nerves like a rabid animal. He pulled the door to feel a frigid, foul gust of air blow past his face. Obel was twisted in peace inside. Blood had thickened around his neck. His eyes were a seaver of blood. A striking tap, just when he was about to pull a bottle out of the rack, echoed under him. Tap, tap, tap. Rubel froze. The movement was reflected in the dead corners of his brother. He grabbed the bottle, closed the fridge, and without turning around, walked to the kitchen counter to pour into the glass. The curtain unfurled back into its place. Rubel entered the living room and watched the uncanny man inch back in his position. He noticed the wobbly leg. He was Jojo's boss. He was Gardan Singh. Sit. Drink it, Gardan said. He sat at the other end of the couch with the glass in his hands. 
रिलैक्स गर्दन सेट एम अवॉर्ड टू टू रूपल कुड नॉट स्टॉप स्टेयरिंग एट हिम यू डोंट हैव टू वरी अबाउट एनी थिंग योर सीक्रेट सेफ विथ मी द मोल क्रिंकल्ड अंडर गर्दन आइज हियर दिस विल वर्क ही रीच इन साइड इज पॉकेट ही हैंडेड अ थिक वाइट पैकेट टू रूबल गो ऑन इट वॉज नॉट मेयर इंसिस्टिंग रूबल बिट ऑफ द प्लास्टिक एन एच दम पाउडर आउट बियॉन्ड द वाइट ड्यून ऑन इज फिंगर ही कुड सी गर्दन एन इज केन द फ्लिकर ऑफ अ लैम्प टू कोवर द साइलेंस इन द रूम अंटिल रूबल स्निफिंग सी स्टेड बैक ही डिड इट वंस मोर नाउ द क्रैकलिंग ऑफ टेलीविजन वॉज स्प्रेड ऑल अराउंड ही कुड सी गर्दन स्लिप्स वेविंग द केन इन इज एंड morphed into a vulture's beak he let his heavy head fall back on the couch any striking physical differences between you two manner wise gardan asked after a while he was more of an ass kisser rubel said he was higher than a satellite gardan tapped his stick hard like a captor who precisely knew what hurt his captive his voice is his voice is weaker than mine he walks with his chin up and shoulders down Rubel spoke. This was it. Whatever he was afraid of happening was happening already, and he had given up his motor control to his instincts. Good, Gardan replied. Get dressed. He coughed, cleared his throat, and said, "Like him, he doesn't live here. There are no clothes. Take them off his dead body. Then I don't care." Rubel reluctantly stomped inside the kitchen, slammed the fridge open, and tried pulling Obel's stone cold body out of the fridge with efforts. Equally cold stare was directed at him from Gardan. He tried buttoning the coat and shirt. It was still an expensive greasy outfit. It's cold. Rubel tried making conversation. Like a passenger he stared in awe at the moments that passed around him. His mind made little sense and his limbs twitched out of his control. Just take it with you. Wear it in the car. Let's go. Gardan growled. He rolled his eyes and limped around on his good leg to walk out. They got inside his red truck. Gardan looked around before he started the engine. It was difficult for him to drive, but he was overpowering his thigh and keeping at it. Rubel quietly sat beside him with the pile of clothes in his lap, wondering whether they or the truck smelled funny. It took a steep dunk into the ditch and carried them down onto the road in inner Illinois. You really don't need that stick," Rubel said. "A man with a cane can't certainly drive," he said, trying to sound like he had outperformed him. "I saw you with your legs stretched in the afternoon. Your mole is pretty obvious, and your truck parked outside simply handed it to me. It's not for you, junkie, but well done," he replied, never ever taking his eyes off the road. It had gone pretty well for him till now. He had imagined the boy crying and begging by one. but he seemed to be armored in the drug words were getting weirder and weirder every day he thought the sky had gone dark there were fewer people out of their houses the truck droned through the narrow lanes passing over roads with defecation on both sides it's not junky it's rubble by the way they finally parked in front of a fence protecting nothing or something that was once important The headlamps lighted the mite-ridden wooden planks until they went off. There were no buildings nearby except for a few houses in the distance. Only the cooling of the engine stroked their eardrums. Gardan hobbled out of the truck and an old sedan passed by. 
almost punting this case. He waited for Rubel to get changed. A bunch of men were loitering by the huddle of cars parked near a building. Gardan spotted a yellow cab parked outside his. His posture changed. Hurry up! He yielded through the window. But Rubel was nowhere near finishing. Gardan abandoned him. He was not needed right away anyway. He broke his character and paced fast despite the stick to get to a look at the man who had stepped out of the cab. A tall man in a brown sleeveless bomber jacket walked inside the bar without letting Gardan see any of him except his hair. Rubel watched him disappear into the bar. Bar. It was a Saturday. It registered in his mind. He changed, climbed out of the truck and followed Gardan. No Monday was one big room without any ventilation. Every vile smell stayed inside. The booze, the brazen laughter, only the vomit flowed. There were cars parked all around in no decipherable manner. Rubel danced his way through them. An old board was hanging above the door. No Monday bar. It read in blue letters. Rubel galloped across the wooden steps and slammed open the door. Yay! The jolly middle-aged bar owner, carrying four mugs of beer in each hands, yelled in his face. He was a fat man in a white undershirt with his hair straightened to his eyebrow, like a child. Rubel waved back at him. Everyone in the room casted a friendly look. Rubel! Someone at a table cheered and waved, but the eagerness died down. They incensed their beers landed on the table. Seated alone in a corner, Gardan's eyes widened at this reception that Rubel received. He let his mind focus on the task at hand and ran his gaze across the bar. The interior of the bar was even gloomier than its exterior. There was a dilapidated pool table in a corner over which a bright lamp stared. A raucous gang of men loitered around it, passing chalk to rub into the tips of their Q-tricks. The owner was back at the counter preparing another drink. You here to celebrate? He spoke loudly and sharply, stressing the end of his words. Rubel took a seat near the counter and grabbed a glass. Nah, just here for drinks. Cabrisa. Rubel's arm stretched beneath the counter and came out with just the bottle he had wanted. You are off for this week. Meeting a friend. Besides, this is a place I love, Captain, Rubel said. Gardan was quietly sipping water out of his glass. He was working like a chameleon to mix with the cloud. It was the firm step to disappear. The golden-haired cabbie was two tables away from him. Put the game on. The cabbie yelled at an old television set hanging by the counter. Yeah, Gardan yelled too. This cabbie looked back at him. Second step, attraction. Hold on, Cabrisa said and moved to find the remote. In the second one, Rubel pointed to a drawer. At the cabbie's table, a cheerful cry was pronounced and was accompanied by the pat on the thigh as the television was turned into a cricket game. The cabbie slammed his mug down as soon as the batsman knocked a six. He slammed it again but quietly stopped after realizing it was an action replay of the previous bowl. Gardan too joined him with deep grunting cheers. The cabbie turned back at him again. This time, Gardan picked up his glass and walked up to his table with a friendly smile. Third step, approach with a friendly smile. 
The cabbie too flaunted his tobacco stained teeth and welcomed him into a loud order of drinks on his behalf. They sat on the same side of the table facing the television. Rubel from his place watched them mellow down into a pool of conversation and drinks. He could see Gardan forcing drinks down the cabbie's throat while he sipped slowly. Empty glasses and mugs and tumblers were tossed out in exchange for the filled ones. All the tossing and clinging triggered his bladder. He walked behind the counter and into the toilet. Gardan too walked in and occupied another one. "What are we doing?" Rubel asked. "How did they recognize you?" Gardan asked. As they were talking next over tall granite slabs, an older man abruptly gushed into the urinal between them. He hummed a strange tune and jerked a zipper. Gardan and Rubel quietly carried their business and stood dry. "Nice cane." The old fellow looked at Gardan's cane hooked up on the slab. He reached forward to touch it. "Please don't touch my cane," Gardan said. "I work at this place," you said. "Walk in." I walked in. "What do you want from me?" "You were supposed to be your brother," Gardan spoke. "Doesn't make a difference. Just obey me. If you do, I'll help you get rid of the body and take out to his grades. I know a lad who will take the fall instead of you." "Yes." We can get it right still. What? There's no time for this. Just do what I say, and when the night is right, you will report the crime and the criminal. Trust me, this will change your life. <laughs> His life was already changed, but not for any good. Obey me, and you will be safe. Now go back in the truck and wait for me. Rubel walked out first to take back his seat, and Gardan slouched next to his newest friend. He made some remarks that made the drunken cabbie spit out some peanuts that he was gorging on. Rubel poured himself another drink and switched back to watching Gardan's magic trick. He was insistent on making the cabbie lick every last drop of his glass's fourth step, showing the empty hat to the audience. A commercial was his signal. Gardan landed a heavy palm on the cabbie's shoulder and started walking out of the bar. after a couple of overpowering hugs men hug freely when they are drunk rubel was back in the truck already follow me gardan announced and continued to gracefully use his cane to cross the road final step figuring out which yellow cab does the key you're holding belongs to he drove the car around a corner and rubel followed both vehicles rode quietly in the dark gardan had one eye on the rear mirror in which the trucks severed from one side to the other like a ping pong it was probably not a good idea after all he thought no he shrugged his mind off the dark trail of thoughts one last time one last time the cab stopped just outside the house gardan left the cab door open and signal rubel to shift onto it while he walked inside he came back without the wig and cane and took the driver's seat before they drove off what's the cab for rubel asked I just borrowed it for the weekend, going for a little trip. Gardan answered. His attention was still in the rear view mirror. So, there's more work for me? Rubel asked. What? Even a genie grants three wishes. You have only done one job. Trust me, working for me is better than death. You will get your share of the prize. Gardan said. That kind of job I am into. I need strangers like you. What share? Rubel asked. And what about the cabby? Don't worry about the cabby, he doesn't own it. It's rented. So he'll not waste a Sunday filing a stolen complaint. Even if he does, it won't be reported as a cab lost outside a pub.
Nothing else seemed out of the usual so far to Ruble. He had downed a couple of drinks at his bar and driven a truck after so long. He had almost forgotten about the cops. The cab sped down the streets of Sector D. It was around 8 in the evening. Gadan stopped the cab outside the fence. Inside the fence stood a small house, a shabby brown hut with dim lights and no signs of life at which Gadan pointed. He switched the headlights off after he felt Rubel had taken a good look at it. The night had fallen hard and the gloomy silence made it even more miserable outside. Closeness to the hole was mocking him again, jeering at him like sinister monkey ghosts. You have his ID? He asked Rubel. Rubel felt his pocket. Yes. Ask for the architect. Bring the blueprints of Sector B bank from him. Don't make him suspicious and don't ask him about his eye. Go. Before Rubel could have said or thought anything, he was out of the car and pushing himself towards the hut. Psst. Rubel turned around. Don't forget who you are, Gardan whispered. Rubel nodded and carried on. That's it. Then go free he thought as he walked carefully his chin was up and shoulders low the mud road was covered with weed on both sides he smelled the acrid hole coming in was in his vicinity its warm currents from the inside charred his goosebumps he was unsure whether some force was to be used to get the maps because he believed it was a robbery that he was about to commit he had come close to the hut cricket skipped from one side of the weeds to the others as he passed nothing about it felt like a house yet he climbed the creaky steps an equally awkward creak approached him from the inside rubel cleared his throat and knocked on the door the door flung open in no time and a long-haired freak appeared his face was morbid he smelled out to verify that he was breathing heavily coffin in his chest ruffled disconsolably around his lung His left eyeball was de- deflected up and down. It was great. Rubel held the ID card to his face. It had no effect on him. I'm Obel from the government of Outer Elna. Are you Mr. Architect? He asked, astonished by the adrenaline rush driving his body. He felt alive. Yes. What do you want? I'm here on the behalf of the construction department, he said. He found himself awkwardly staring at his eye. The old man gave him a cold, unresponsive stare. Mm, I'm here to collect some blueprints. Then go to the library. The old man replied and reached to close the door. I'm with the government, sir. Please. Rubel gently stopped him from shutting it, but the old fellow showed no interest. The library has misplaced their copy. That's why we have to distribute you. We could sense Gardan's tense breathing on the back of his neck all the way from here. Fuck off or I'll call the police," he said, his hand reaching out for the receiver. Ruben let his hand off the door, but another hand appeared from behind and pushed it back, overpowering the old man's push. "I beg your pardon, sir. I could not help but notice. Are you R K Saini, the architect?" Gardan spoke in a garbled voice. "Yes, yes, I am," the old man said. "I'm with this boy here, sir. Forgive him. They don't cast them well these days." tell me about it you see one of the young idiots has misplaced the copy you shall be reimbursed for your copy if you wish gardan said no no it's fine come in old man said 
I trust you to take it from here. This is a legend that you're meeting," Gardan said to Rubel, and then smiled. Any more exposure, and he would have exposed his face. He turned around and walked back to the cab. Seni walked back into the house, and Rubel followed. Papers lay everywhere. Sticky spoons were stuck in unwashed bowls, and the crumbs of bread over the heads of scurrying ants did not liven the place. The old man led him deeper to the underground chamber. It was just a hole with bundle of rolled stacks of paper in a rack. Don't mind the smell. It's that big sewer pipe under here, Mr. Seni said. Don't mind. What's wrong with your eye? Rubel shot like a gun. The old man turned round. He sighed. The falling light was obstructed by his slimy face. Bristles of his crony white beard shone yellow. His decaying teeth flashed before he began. How old are you? he asked. I built these cities. It was R. K. Seni from the first brick to the last. I can tell you the exact number of bricks in every building of these cities. He went on for five minutes bragging about his accomplishments, certificates, and accolades, all of which lay before them in a mine-eaten rack in a dusty, stinky chamber half buried in ground. And they built a giant sewer pipe right next to my house. The prince, Rubel reminded. Oh yes. He said and turned around to look again. One rainy day, a rusty nail flies off into your eyeball, and the next day you cannot tell if a wall's straight or crooked. Here, he pointed Rubel to the scrolls. Just take whatever you want. Thank you, sir. He said as he went through the stack and found it without much effort. He carefully retrieved it and walked upstairs in a hurry. Good night, sir. Rubel yelled from the doorstep and jogged down to the car. He waved the black container at Gardan, who turned the car around. Now let's go grab something from your fridge. It was quiet outside except for a few cars passing by every now and then. Gardan had parked right at the door, so that the rear end of the taxi touched the steps of the house. He gazed at the spot where he had stood bleeding the night before yesterday and witnessed the crime. Involving Rubel in his plan was a stroke of luck, a matter of simply being in the right place at the right time. They looked around and walked straight inside the kitchen without turning the lights on. Gardan pointed his finger at the fridge, and Rubel put his head down, ashamed. The door was wide open, and Obel's body was glowing like a glacier in sunlight. They stood on each side of the fridge and pulled the body out. Put clothes on him, goddammit! Gardan exclaimed. Rubel grabbed some clothes lying on the floor. The house smelled of rotten food, damp wood, and bleach. There were mosquitoes humming in the air that seized every chance to swoop down and suck the dead. Gardan bent down to hold the legs, and Rubel struggled with the torso. One with a weakness, another one weak. They dragged it to the door, where the trunk was already waiting open. Gardan backed down the steps and hurled the legs into the trunk. Rubel pushed the rest of the body clumsily into the dark curtain. Gardan rubbed his hands on his jeans. Slammed the trunk shut and went back inside the car. Rubel locked the house and they drove off. The alley was tight, but the cab crammed in. It was quite and empty around. Only desolation witnessed Obel's final rites. They stepped out of the car and onto the streets, which were lit with yellow lights and dog screams. They repeated the drill with the body and shifted it to the backyard near a wall in the corner. Gardan stepped inside the house and returned with a plastic chair in one hand and a shovel in the other. He handed the letter to Rubel and pointed at a patch. 
approval took a good look at the lifeless body of his twin as he swept the withered leaves and started digging while gardan watched patiently from his chair why did you make me put on his clothes rubel asked filling words in a shallow heaving ah gardan fought hard to keep the bad thoughts out they would have reported a man of your brother's description the architect would have confirmed it after finding his body in this place they would be thrown off track perfect crime rubel said weekend job at a bar do share what makes you qualified i don't drink as much as i sniff that's why rubel flung a big hunk of soil out and paused to breathe i do love that place thinking to start something of my own like that you can get anything with your share gardan said the share he had almost forgotten the cab the plan and now what you want me to rob a bank with you that's your third wish why not gardan said in an absent minded tone After an hour of watching him digging relentlessly, Gardan got up from the chair and helped Rubel climb out of the ditch. Rubel covered in dirt, gasped for air as he lay down on the heap of soil that he had just dug out. They carried the body and respectfully lowered it into his grave. Gardan closed his eyes and started muttering a prayer. The howling outside intensified. Rubel waited for him to finish with the shovel still in his hands. He could not bear looking down at Obel's unrecognizable face. Once the dogs calmed down, he started flinging the soil back into the ditch. That was his silent goodbye for Obel. With every fling, he imagined how same they were as kids and how different they had turned out to be. Life was a bitch to both of them. When it was half done, Rubel impulsively jumped out and grabbed a tightly inflated car tire tube. He went to the side of Obel's head and buried the tube firm in its place like a rubber tombstone. He deposited the rest of the soil on top, padded in with the back of the shovel, and the grave was made. It looked like a black rainbow over Obel's dead body. It's disrespectful, Gardan commented, his hands folded. It's as good as a rock, Rubel replied. He walked beside Gardan and let his body collapse with the shovel still between his knees. They did not talk. Frogs croaked in distress and the dogs finally went quiet. a tune playing in rubel's mind but he neither hummed it nor tried to shake it away he sensed his fear of gardan had vanished it was gardan's backyard where the body rested now where the truth lied it was too soon to trust gardan but he had long realized that they shared one thing loneliness <laughs>